With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. If you want an e-bike that doesn't look like it's made for the shopping precinct... Something that's less Mr. Bean and more Steve McQueen. Check out the range of bikes from London-based Cooler King. From dope 250-watt city bikes to Harley Bobber-inspired 750-watt beasts that can tear your face off while leaving your smile intact. Cooler Kings are made in limited numbers, yet highly affordable. Check them out now on the web at cooler.bike or find them on Instagram with hashtag CoolerKingBike. Cooler.bike. E-bikes that are cool AF. Welcome to the Man City Show. It's Nigel Rothman back in the chair. No clever introductions this week, just a straightforward introduction to the top team we've got this week in no particular order. Welcome to Nick Goldstone. Hi, Nigel. And to Paul Denby. Hi, Nigel. And to Edward Timpson. Hello, Nigel. Listen, I, before we talk about any games, I want to talk about the FA Cup itself. Lot and lot of column inches, Twitter activity about the whole devaluing of the FA Cup. Teams not, or managers not taking it seriously. You hear of 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 changes. Replay should be banned. There's too much football. This is the FA Cup, Paul. What's going on? Indeed, what is going on? There are certain managers that are always taking it seriously. Pep's always taking it seriously because he wants to win every trophy that he enters. Some managers don't give a damn about it, being blunt about it. Klopp clearly doesn't because he's already said in the replay against Shrewsbury he will play the similar team to the one that played against Villa uh, in the League Cup because effectively that falls in the midwinter break. Uh, and therefore he doesn't want to risk his players. He wants to give them the full two weeks off that he believes they're entitled to. And lots of other teams, as you said, don't bother with it. I, being the age I am, still think the FA Cup is a fantastic trophy to win. Uh, They need to make some changes, perhaps, where the replays can be moved away. I'm not sure. The smaller clubs really do need those FA Cup matches. And to have a replay, as Shrewsbury done at Anfield, is a great money spinner for them. So I think they would vote against it. 
Nick, the, the magic seems to have gone because Paul and I are a similar age. You're, you're a much younger man. I am, yes. Much younger. Um, you maybe don't have the nostalgia that we but the FA Cup was the competition. It does, doesn't have that feel about it anymore. Well, I, I, I love the FA Cup. I, um, I was at the 1981 replay and I, uh, there was nothing better for me than returning eventually in 2011 um, to the final. Um, and, ever, and I've not lost my love for it. Uh, I think the devaluing um, of it, the underplaying of its importance um, is a terrible thing for the game. I completely disagree with it. I don't think it is for any of the top teams um, to be involved in whatever decisions may be made in the future as to um, the FA Cup. It's not theirs. Uh, It is the game's and it is for uh, every team and every supporter to um, decide and to make sure that it is valued in the future. What are your thoughts, Edward? Well, the problem you've got is you've got this this huge fixture congestion, uh, which we're now seeing playing out every year. Now we've got this winter break to throw into the mix. And squads are being pushed to the limit, they're picking up a lot of uh, injuries, and so they're having to manage it. And so they decide to prioritise what their owners want to prioritise, what the media revenue wants to prioritise. Uh, and so that's where the devaluation is happening, is that the, for a lot of clubs, it's not where they want to channel a lot of their resources because they just don't think it's going to add up at the end of the season. And that's, that's, that's a huge shame because, you know, like, like the rest of us here, I've been to some cracking FA Cup matches uh, that City have been involved in and other teams as well, lower down the leagues. Uh, Crew, Chester, a few re- others around me. And, you know, we want to keep that alive. So for me, if I was going to get rid of a cup, get rid of the Carabao Cup. Um, I know we keep winning it, um, so it's a nice trophy to keep having in our cabinet. But that would free up some of the congestion of the fixture list. I, th- um, I, I still believe in replays, but it's something probably will keep coming up again and again. But this has to be a cup for all teams, and that every team needs to feel that they have um, the backing of every other club in taking it seriously. And um, until we provide it with that platform, then it's going to struggle to maintain a lot of the interest, particularly from those clubs who, you know, like Liverpool at the moment, some of them, um, those mid-table uh, threat of relegation clubs who decide, actually, that's not what we're going to uh, put as our number one task or target for the season. And it's great when you win it, but get, when you're not, it's a, it's a worry when get, it starts to Get disappear. rid of the Carabao, Mr. Timpson, get rid of the Carabao Cup. Well, let me just pick up on one thing that I think is important, and that's, that is that for the vast majority of clubs, there isn't any fixture congestion. Fixture congestion is only an issue mainly for the teams in uh, Europe, of which there are half a dozen uh, max. Um, and um, for the other teams, it, it impacts because you know a lot of... Uh, Premier League clubs don't want to do anything except make sure they stay in the Premier League. And for the teams with the chance of um, uh, promotion from the Championship, they want to focus on that. But frankly, uh, for those teams, it's not really about fixture congestion. Um, It's just an excuse uh, and to protect themselves from criticism, to be honest, because, you know, they're going to be damned if they do and damned if they don't. If they lose a game or they get a couple of injuries or something goes wrong in the FA Cup, 
uh, because they played a strong team, then they're going to get criticised when, if and when they get a bad result in the league next week. I'm going to sound like an old granddad now here, Paul, and I want to put this to you. I think you and I both remember the pitches in the late 60s and the early 70s, not the beautiful carpets they are today, and the size of the squad City would play with 13 players for most of the season. And they've got these massive squads. What's, what's, and, and, and the fitness levels. It's, what's going on here? Am I just cynical and old and tired? What's I could say yes, but I won't because I want to insult you that easily. Um, I think that the difference today is that the Champions League and the money in the Premier League is so much more vast that effectively these other tournaments, the League Cup, Carabao Cup and the FA Cup, are getting relegated to second-class tournaments. And the reason they're getting relegated to such is, is effectively because it's more important to, A, stay in the Premier League, B, if you're challenging for top four, you want to get into the top four because there's more money in it. And that's the focus that they're all taking on. The pitches were terrible 20, 30, 40 years ago in particular. Uh, I remember some of those diabolical mud heaps that uh, City had to play on back in the 70s and 80s. They, they were awful. I, I was one of the few that was, was at Halifax that day when we lost 1-0. <laughs> and it, it, but it isn't the same game as it was. And the squads might be deeper, but that's, that's largely irrelevant. Get rid of the Carabao Cup, but as, uh, I'm not sure that's the answer because there's only four teams in the semi-final as you hit the, uh, as you hit the peak now where these multiple matches are coming along. Um, if you don't want the Carabao Cup, play a weak team early on and get knocked out of that. The FA Cup, I think, has got to be here to stay. Whether the Carabao Cup is going to stay is another debate. And just the issue of replays, your thoughts on... Just stopping replays because it's one less game, just finish it on the night, there extra time chance. penalties, whatever. I think that's unfortunate for the smaller teams who rely heavily. Give the prime example this week, Shrewsbury, who've got a replay at Anfield. It's a money spinner for them. And for some clubs, I don't know Shrewsbury's finances themselves, but for some clubs, it's a make or break. They can earn hundreds of thousands of pounds, which to them is just going to keep them going for a season or two with the money they get from television audiences and the crowd they'll get from Anfield and the 25% revenue I think they pick up from that gate as well. So I'd, I'd struggle to say no. Maybe if it's an all-Premier League match, uh, FA Cup tie. I don't know if you could then split you it. You can't have, do that. Can I don't you? know. Well, you say that, but they have VAR at Premier League grounds and not at others in the FA Cup. So yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, we're not going on to VAR tonight, Nigel. <laughs> Nick, I think getting rid of either of the cups would be a, a very wrong and tragic thing to do for the long term of the game. Um, the the only way to fix the problems with the FA Cup, and it's it's run by the FA as well as the Premier League is run by the FA. They need to divert five or ten million pounds more money to the FA Cup so that the winners and um, the teams that get to the final stages can make a significant amount of money out of it. And then there will be enough uh, of a focus on it. And the smaller Premier League and Championship teams will also um, take it seriously. OK, let's talk... Can, can oh, I have yeah, sure. just, just for the record, I'm not advocating getting rid of the Carabao Cup. What I'm saying is that if you had to get rid of one, that's the one I'd choose. So it was trying to make the case for the FA Cup, uh, particularly as we keep winning the Carabao Cup, so I wouldn't want to <laughs> stop us doing that in the future. Can I make one point? Of course. Winners of the FA Cup 
have a playoff against a team that finishes fourth in the league for Champions League entry. How about that one? Then the FA Cup's got a lot more meaning for teams, gives them a, a possibility of getting into the Champions League, and it means that the top three in, in the league get into the Champions League, and the fourth goes into that sort of playoff, as they used to up till about two or three seasons ago. And it's two-legged and extra time and replays if they don't finish after 90 minutes. Yeah? It's Should a one-off. <laughs> <laughs> Talking of one-offs, let's talk about let's talk about the weekend. Let's talk about another victory, an easy victory, uh, made slightly easier after six minutes, of course. But let's talk about the lineup first before we do that. Good to see Garcia and Foden starting. That was kind of the standout sort of two youngsters to to to, to start for Pep's team against Fulham. Right decision. Yeah, good, good to see them again, uh, and I think they both justified their inclusion. Uh, Garcia wasn't tested massively, but he's he's on the left left side again. Uh, he's moved around a little bit, but uh, he continues to impress. I think what we need to see next from him is, is the next step up uh, against some serious opposition where he's uh, not, not just being able to tap the ball around at the back uh, and shadow um, a, a striker who doesn't get much of the ball. Uh, but uh, he, he's certainly proving a, you know, a really, really strong member of the squad, which is more than he was last season. Uh, Foden, uh, I thought, again, he looked really comfortable. Uh, he's growing in his own skin. Uh, he's influencing games more. Interesting what David Silva had to say um, after the game uh, and how much you sort of feel the bat on now, sort of almost physically as well as mentally being moved on. Uh, but um, again, t- yeah, two big plus points out of that game, but it, it was all over after six minutes, uh, which for the 39,000 who made it there uh, was a bit of a shame, but it gave, a, gave us a good run out. You mentioned the 39,000. You're as bad as the press you are. I mean, it was like, what was... What's wrong with 39,000? You're saying that in a, in a negative way, are you, Edward? Are no, you I'm suggesting I'm not, for a moment that's a, no, a bad no, crowd? No, no I was just putting it out there. Um, <laughs> you uh, knew I'd mention it at some yeah, point. Yeah, I, mean, I, still, I still think there's, way, there's creative ways of getting more people into those, into those gates, but it slightly takes us back to the, the early conversation about, about the FA Cup and uh, you know, where it's sitting within the sort of consciousness of football. Because Pep wasn't happy, he, he mentioned it as well, or was it the press asking him the question, do you think? The, the, the press asking yeah. the question is the BBC interviewing him said, were you happy with the crowd? And he couldn't understand it. But let's be honest about it. There's a lot of people spend a lot of money going to games, and there's a, cr- a lot of fixtures at the moment. They've got the mm. derby against uh, Stretford on Wednesday night, the second leg, uh, and they've got a lot of payments coming up for the Real Madrid Cup tie as well, had all the Christmas m- money they've had to spend. So fans generally can't afford it. Even if you're reducing it to £10 for the actual match, that doesn't, that's not the way it ends. You've got to travel to the game, you've got kids who might want programmes or food and all the rest of it, so it does add up. And I think a lot of people think, actually, it's on BBC One, it's one o'clock Sunday lunchtime, not ideal, I'll sit back, have my Sunday lunch and watch it on television. Absolutely. Simple. So, so your thoughts about the game itself then, then Paul? I mean, we obviously talked, uh, it was all over as a contest, probably before it started, but then six minutes in, it, it was definitely over. Yes, Fulham, I think, had one shot on goal the whole game. It was over, as you said, after six minutes, and certainly after 19 minutes when uh, Bernardo Silva turned and put the, his shot into the corner. So it was, it was a, a nice run out, but that's all you could really say about it. Your thoughts, Nick? Well, it was it was obviously um, a good win, but it was an absolute non-event as a spectacle and as a match. Uh, there was no competitive um, tension or interest in the game whatsoever uh, at virtually, you know, pretty much any point. Um, and you know, well done to the people who did go. I didn't, and I'm glad I didn't because, uh, frankly, it was a complete non-event. 
And, uh, you know, I don't think that we're to blame for that, uh, really. Um, they put out a slightly weakened team. I think maybe Mitrovic was injured, supposedly, yeah, was, yeah, so. uh, which is uh, fair enough. Um, but, you know, they're about as far from a sort of FA Cup blood and guts, leave everything on the line kind of um, team as you can get, which is quite odd given their manager, who's a bit, who's got a bit of that about him, or did have. Um, but they're obviously more interested in trying to get a promotion this year. But, you know, I mean, God help the uh, the away supporters that lugged their way up from, from South London. Well, it's interesting, I think there were yeah. 900 or something, less than 1,000. Yeah. And when Port Vale came, was it over 8,000, I think, yeah, of them? Right. So that, yeah. that's, that, that's a massive discrepancy, isn't it? Well, so they're not well known for big away crowds. They're not, Fulham. they're not. But that still tells you a story, doesn't it, Paul? It certainly does, although for Port Vale, it was their, literally their <laughs> cup final. Uh, and it was a fantastic day out for them. And when they got their equaliser, they were in raptures. But in fact, yeah, Fulham are a poorly supported away team. And not great home fans either. <laughs> um, good to see Gundogan step up and take the penalty, having had a few issues this year with penalty. We'll come on to the, we'll touch on the Sheffield United game a little bit later, but uh, came up, took it very, very smartly and uh, relieved to see that at the back of the net, I think. Yeah, pretty clinical penalty, right in the corner low. Very few keepers would, would uh, get close to saving it. And we, need, we did need it. Um, a little bit of confusion as to how we're now choosing our penalty taker. Apparently, Pep's now putting a, something up in the dressing room saying he's going to do it for each game, whereas before it was done on the pitch. Um, good to get a bit of clarity on that. But you know, I think Jesus had had a, a good couple of goes, and ironically, he won the penalty. Um, so it always looks a bit bizarre when someone else then takes it. But uh, you know, Gundogan has got 100% record. Uh, I think he, he's uh, demonstrated he's got the, the head for it. Um, so I, I assume he'll keep taking them from now on unless Aguero um, decides he wants to uh, wrestle the ball off him. Interestingly enough, we've been criticised more in the last couple of years for playing too well in the cup competitions, I think, more than um, playing weak, weak teams. Um, but last time, I was just looking at this earlier, last time we, we, got, we were in the spotlight for playing a weak team in the, cup, in the FA Cup, really, I think was... was um, 2016 under Manuel Pellegrini when we played Chelsea a couple of days before a Champions League game and that's when it does start to really bite for the for the bigger teams in the later round the quarter final I think in particular when you get a you get the FA Cup tie a couple of days before a Champions League game and we played five or six young kids in that game got thrashed 5-1 I was at that game. And when the one went in, was it, was it to make it one all? Or was it, it was, two? yes. Yeah, that's yes, right. Yes. And so we, we got a goal back and we weren't completely ballistic. Yeah, I mean, there's, I, was, I was there, yeah. It, you know, we, it's a different conversation, but it's interesting to look at the, um, the crowd of, of promising uh, youngsters that we had playing that day. Our scorer was a guy called David Falpala. <laughs> no, no one's ever heard of him since either. Uh, we also had to- Tosin Araboyu. Bersan Chalina, who has gone on to have a bit of a career elsewhere. Manu Garcia. Alex Garcia. I guess it's the same guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brandon Barker and Cameron Humphreys Grant. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we obviously ha- had high hopes for those players back in 2016 and never heard of most of them again. Yeah. <laughs> well, some of them have gone to other clubs. So Tosin's on loan. Was it Blackburn and or West Brom? Yeah. And um, as you say, Selena went to Swansea, so they make careers elsewhere. They do. And you, you 
just picking up on the point about how seriously we take it, there was a statistic somewhere. We score kind of four or five goals at home in every single FA Cup game that we've played. I mean, it's just bizarre and, and shows how seriously we take it. And uh, we are the holders and we're through to the next round. We're, called, we're recording this, of course, just before uh, the FA Cup draw. Um, so I guess it's going to happen before we're off air. But by the time this is recorded, people will know who we're going to be playing in the next round. I'm not going to ask a ridiculous question of who do you fancy because that's just a complete waste of everybody's time. Uh, I was listening to somebody on the radio today who was <laughs> thought it was talking about the devaluing of the FA Cup. The FA Cup draw is on the one show, and his view was that if if, you, if it's being devalued, that proves to everybody you know have some bloke in his allotment, you know, sort of just before it, and then we go to the FA Cup draw. It's kind of not quite right, really. Does that devalue the FA Cup being on the one show? I don't know. I remember when I was a kid putting earphones in on the radio on a Monday, going into the boys because uh, that's what you did in between lessons or whatever, and listening to it there. And that was in that was between I can't remember who was the radio. It's a it's a five minute break, so it's got to be in something. You can't just have an FA Cup show for five minutes and they talk for ten minutes of rubbish beforehand anyway. I guess it's on BBC One during prime time get big big audience figures, and it'll be on the radio as well. So I don't have a problem with it. Good, nor do I. Uh, let's talk about, briefly, let's talk about uh, Sheffield United. The big news, of course, to remind everybody, it seems a long time ago now, but uh, the big news, of course, was uh, Miss Laporte getting back uh, after his five months off, keeping a clean sheet. He played for 78 minutes. He looked a bit tired at the end and hobbled. I'm sure that was just, hopefully it was just cramp and tiredness. Uh, clearly he was never ever going to play in the Fulham game anyway, but that was... Uh, great to see him back, wasn't it, Edward? Uh, it was. It was fantastic, and boy, what a difference it made! Just the uh, the composure at the back. Just felt that there, there wasn't that, and there was no panic. Um, it, they were they were well organised. Um, there was you know, better better physically in the air. Um, that the whole thing just looked far more like we remember it um, during the last couple of seasons. Uh, and I know we we were told, and we should always. Uh, pay heed to the fact you, you know you can't just assume one player is going to turn your team into um, uh, the sort of world beaters again. But uh, we knew, and I think we now uh, know for sure that Laporte is absolutely integral to uh, what happens to us over the next three or four years, and whether we're going to step up to the next uh, next level again, uh, Champions League, league. Uh, he's he's you know Virgil Van Dijk's pretty good. Um, I don't think Laporte's that far. Um, behind him or next to him, potentially even in front of him. I think he's that important. And uh, it'd be interesting to see where the captaincy goes next season if Laporte keeps himself fit. Because it was a January transfer window last year, of course, that he, he came in. And at the time, I, I'd not particularly heard of him. I'm not great in terms of the guys from... Uh... Say again? No, just wondering, yeah. was it only a year since he joined? Yeah, it is. I'm, I'm, really pretty, sure it was. I'm pretty sure it was the, the January window okay. when he joined us. Um, and like a lot of these foreign imports, not necessarily that famous to us. We don't necessarily know much about these guys. And the influence he's had and, and the statistics which have been well written around sort of the games that he's played in, the games he hasn't, and the... And the uh, uh, and, 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 and all that lot uh, shows what a, what a miss he's been. And uh, yeah. and it's not just the fact that he's been missing the back four, and I've said it before, it's the fact that Fernandinho, of course, has had to then play that role, and we've been missing him in that great role he plays in defensive midfield. So it's been a double whammy, and uh, to have him back has been brilliant. It has. There was one part of the match um, at the weekend which really did show uh, Laporte's value. It was the corner kick that they took. They're whipping those corners in quite... Mm. Good corners, Sheffield United, when, they, when we played them. And one where he headed it off the line. 
uh, from underneath his bar, and then he got clattered into, and he was a bit upset about the clattering into, but that just showed his worth. He could position himself and get the ball clear from that position. Fantastic player. But, but I like that aggression from him as well. I mean, oh, yeah. he, even as a referee, I'm not saying he should be nutting the bloke, and he didn't, but he, no. he made sure he, he knew he was there and he wasn't going to take that from him, and, and, and he stood his ground and he, he was back, and uh, yeah. I think it's fantastic to see. Yes, he was a dramatic improvement over uh, the players who've played in that position while he's been off. Uh, I guess John Stones being the obvious comparison. A very dramatic improvement. A lot of it was down to to the physicality, um, but also he is classier on the ball and in possession. And the two... Uh, the two men who are just running out of superlatives, the two men who combined for the goal. Uh, of course, we have to remember Sheffield United have got a fantastic home record um, and do not... I mean, we've, we've, we've shipped more goals than they have at home this season, significantly more. You know, they're a very, very tight unit and it took uh, Mr KDB and young Sergio to score his what, eighth, eighth goal in five games. Uh, to break the deadlock. So those two combining again is a joy to behold. It was it was wonderful to watch, as always. Um, Kevin De Bruyne, I, I mean, he's a wonderful passer of the ball, but I think just as, if not more importantly, he takes two touches where, where others take ten, and he moves the ball on quickly, and he will always know... Uh, where he's trying to put the ball and he always knows where the players around him are going to expect him to put the ball. And that's the key, I think, to how good he is. I mean, obviously, you've got to execute the pass, but he knows that he wants to play that ball and obviously Aguero knows it's coming. Aguero de Bruyne. Well, you're not going to beat it in terms of the number of assists that uh, De Bruyne has had over the last few seasons and the number of goals Aguero scored. You've got two of the top players in the league in the same team, one king of the assists and one king of the goals. So you couldn't ask really for more. And um, it's silver to Aguero is apparently the the highest, one of the highest um, assist records as an assist to an individual player scoring goals in the Premier League. But De Bruyne is just, uh, I, I think he just does it differently. Anything to add, Edward? Yeah, well, I mean, we've almost got to the point where every pass that KDB makes, we just assume it's going to go where we think it's going to go. Sometimes it surprises us and goes he's in somewhere much better than where we thought it was going to go. So, but when it goes wrong, it's just a, it's a shock that he's possibly managed to misplace a single pass. But I, I just want to say one quick thing about Jesus, because we always have a little bit of a, a pop at him every now and again, uh, and sometimes justifiably so. But in terms of assists and goals, I was looking at some of his stats... And in uh, pretty much, if you add his goals and assists together, he gets a goal or an assist in every single game he plays in. Um, so his, his record, despite the fact he can be quite frustrating at times and misses too many penalties, his record is pretty, pretty darn good. He did, he did. Uh, I'm not saying he's the answer, but he's, a, he's, he's also someone who is contributing a lot to the, those great statistics that we have at the right end of the pitch. Well, we're going to talk shortly about the January transfer window is about to close, so we want to know maybe your thoughts on where we need to strengthen, who you'd like to see, if any players should be leaving, and we'll also look forward to the game uh, against Stratford on Wednesday and the Spurs fixture at the weekend, and we'll do that straight after this. (laughs) 
Welcome back. Before we look forward to the next two games, they're coming thick and fast as we know. We're in so many competitions. Uh, let me just talk about the January transfer window. The window is about to shut firmly in our faces. Just your thoughts and reflections, reflections gents, on you know, where, where do we need to strengthen, if, if anywhere? Who wants to go first? Edward. Well, I mean, I don't think, first of all, I don't think we need be strengthening in the January window. It's pretty much shut now, and I think the clear indications are we're going to stick with what we've got. It's only Sane now who's on the long-term sick list. Uh, but we do need to strengthen in the summer, uh, I think, a backup goalkeeper, um, which uh, merits um, a rather higher level of confidence uh, in them than Bravo. Left-back is still a conundrum. Mendy's disappeared again. Don't quite know what's happened to him. Zinchenko's not had such a, an impressive season as last season. Angelino's come in. He, he's all right on a sort of almost equivalent of like a sort of flat batting pitch in cricket. But um, I don't, I don't, I can't see him having um, all the attributes that we need to to, to play that role um, consistently. So there's, there's 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 areas that we need to strengthen. Of course, central defence. If Otamendi moves on, Stones has still got a question mark against him. So you know, who who is it that Laporte is going to be? Uh, having alongside him next season. Is it Garcia? Um, is it going to be Stones uh, if Otamendi moves on? Or are we going to need to strengthen uh, in that area as well? Rodri not good enough then to replace Fernandinho? Was he not brought in to replace him? You think we're, he's not quite cutting the mustard? He's a slightly different player. I mean, Fernandinho is unique in many respects in the, the sort of the package that he offers. Um, I like Rodri. I think he's, he's, he's growing into the role, but he's being moved around... Um, the, uh, the 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 position that he's being asked to play, and maybe he just needs a, a run in the team in the area where he can most influence the play. But you know, I don't I, I don't think we can say that he's a dud by any stretch of the imagination. I think he, he's a really important part of the squad. Whether he is someone who you write in your first team every match, I think the jury's out. Not yet, for sure. Uh, Paul, thoughts on anywhere at all? We're going to strengthen in January. Days are running out, I guess, aren't they? That's a very simple answer. We will not strengthen anywhere in January. And I guess Nick's going to say the same. So should we move on to the second question, unless you were going to say something? But I've... No, carry on. <laughs> I've got nothing interesting to say. Uh, no. So, so <laughs> any players you would like to see then? Are there any players out there that uh, any of you particularly would, would like to see? Um, we've talked about some of the positions maybe who are the who are the targets if you like if it's not going to be in January then even in the summer let's forward to the, let's look forward to the summer then and start thinking about rebuilding it's an aging squad we know Silva's going we know Fernandinho's getting on and Aguero and all, we, we know the list it, it, it's so who, who, who do you think Paul are the, the targets that you would like to see particularly I'll throw one into the mix because I think he needs to move from the club he's currently at they're not going to get Champions League football next season, and I think Spurs might cash in on Kane. And if they do, that must be something we should look at because Aguero, fantastic player that he is, he's not going to be around in two or three seasons. I think his next season probably is his last contractual season. Whether he renews or not, not sure at the moment. But if City don't think that they can renew Aguero's contract, will need... Jesus, I love him. I think he's a great footballer. He's, and as Edward said a few minutes ago, his record of assists and strikes is decent. It's very good. But I still think we need a top-class striker to replace Aguero. And Harry Kane has proved he can do it in the Premier League. If Spurs want 120 million or whatever the figure is around that figure, I, I don't know what it would be. We should go and look at it. Yeah, I, I mean that's a that's a good shout. I I do like buying 
really top class players from other teams in our league because it not only improves us but it reduces them so that's always a good thing to do but we do uh, I mean I think with um, Liverpool going to run away with the title this year and maybe win one or two other things as well we'll see who knows but um, there's something of a statement that that needs to be made in uh, the summer I think and I think we're probably due uh, conceited as it sounds to be spending some really big money on on some really world-class players and making that statement that we're not going to be scraping around and relying on the likes of, you know, and I'm not doing them down specifically, but the Zinchenko's, Angelino's, et al. You know, they are not the players that we should be building our next team around. Just very quickly on Rodri. I mean, we were singing his praises as high as possible at the beginning of the season. He was wonderful. Um, I think he's got massive potential. I think he does need to build a bit more Fernandinho into his game. He needs to do more tactical fouling. He needs to be more aggressive. He needs to be more. He needs to put more challenges in to make him that kind of a player. But that is important to our team. That, you know, quite frankly, the early challenges, the fouls in the middle of the pitch to to break up the opposition. We're not the only team um, who does it, but we've done it far far less. Uh, this year than we than we did do in the previous couple of seasons. Tactical fouling, bring it in. I'm not saying bring it in, but it happens and it's going to continue happening because players recognise that if it's absolutely necessary to commit a tactical foul, they're going to do it and take a booking. Uh, and we lost, we've lost one way or another, two of probably the greatest proponents of it in today's game, which is which was uh, uh, Vincent Company who spent probably more time on a yellow card than any other player in Premier League history. And um, bringing Fernandinho out of the midfield and putting him at the back, we lost him doing that as well. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, 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 agree, I agree with everything. I mean, I think uh, Kane's a great shout, actually. I think as a sort of left field, taking it from one of the other top teams, he's still got some good years ahead of him. Uh, he holds up play well, which I think we've missed a little, a little bit. Aguero's very good at it. Jesus is sort of less so. Uh, and he sort of has that. Sort of, he's a bit more of a, sort of a hybrid between Aguero and Jacko. He can sort of perhaps offer a bit of both. Um, I brought up the left back. Uh, I know we've been looking at Chilwell. Uh, I, I still think we should look at Chilwell. Um, he he comes sort of ready uh, to fit into our team. Um, he's got good pace. He reads the game well. He can cross the ball beautifully. And with Mendy not really showing the consistency of. Um, Involvement in the team, although he has had some good games more recently, uh, I think he would be um, a, a good uh, addition to the first team as well as being an English grown player. And what about people leaving then finally on, on, on this section before we get on to the games ahead? Who, anybody on their way out? Paul's, well, I, Paul's well, counting them up on his yeah, hand here. Yeah. He's, up to, he's up to five already. <laughs> I'm feeling vulnerable. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I think Bravo isn't really helping us. Um, the, 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 the confidence just seeps from the team. Um, you can see it before your eyes. And he, he, he's not a shot stopper. Uh, he kept he, a clean sheet the weekend. Stopped, stopped one that went straight yeah, into his he, chest. Yeah, you know, he did a showboating <laughs> the other week, and he ended up coming a cropper and setting up a, a goal. Uh, so I think we, we, he, he's thanks very much. You've won a few trophies, um, and time to move on. Uh, I think maybe Otamendi's one that we need to think about, where he's got the legs for another season. He's going to offer us uh, the backup that we need. Uh, and there's there's one or two on the fringes. Uh, like, I'm not quite sure why Angelino's been brought back. 
Um, there must be some, some methodology in there somewhere, but uh, he, he's not someone that I see necessarily a strong future. There's three, three of your five then, is it, Paul? I think that's more or less in a mean... You'd effectively say, Otamendi, Stones has got to prove himself in these last few games of the season, the last 10, 15 games, including whatever we play him, because he's lost his confidence. He is a great footballer, but he doesn't do, make the right decisions sometimes. And he's clearly his injuries or whatever it is mentally, he's not quite there at the moment to make some silly mistakes. He always seems to get punished for his mistakes. Uh, and that's unfortunate for him. But if he doesn't show himself um, to be worthwhile staying in that squad, then I'm afraid John Stones might be moved on in the summer as well. There's one name that hasn't been mentioned yet. I'm surprised. Mendy? Uh, it Jesus? Wasn't, no. Well, you can keep Kesnig, or I could just tell you. Um, Leroy Sané, well, yeah, we don't know yeah. about him yet. We yeah, don't know whether well, he's going or Well, that's the staying. one I was thinking of. But we desperately need either him back at full pelt or we need a replacement because the drop-off in Raheem Sterling in the past few months, <laughs> I think probably most, mostly because of the lack of any competition for him, has been pretty remarkable. Yeah. He's having to play him every game as well, pretty much as mm-hmm. well, isn't he? Any, any of the important games anyway. There is, there is no competition. I think it's a really good point. Yeah, I mean, I didn't mention Sane because I don't want him to leave. And I thought the question was, who's likely to leave? I, I don't know whether Sane will or not. It depends on whether Bayern Munich can turn, his, um, to, turn him back to Germany or not. Should we talk about this quarter, quarterfinal, semi-final, forgive me, second leg uh, against a team from just outside Manchester who play in red? Uh, we are 3-1 up after the first leg. Um, and we bring them back to the Etihad. Um, excited about this. I like semi-finals. I like cups. Oh, but I won't go to Edward because he wants to ban the Carabao Cup. We heard that very clearly <laughs> from him earlier on. Get rid of the Carabao Cup, he said. Harry, you heard it here first. Uh, your, your thoughts then? Uh, well, is, we, uh, we're not, they've not got Rashford. We're not going to score three. Come on. This, it's in the bag, isn't it? We're off to Wembley again, Nick. Well, I, it's, very, I, it, it's a genuinely very exciting game, um, a semi-final. Uh, a great opportunity to give United a really good thrashing, quite frankly. And they, you know, we, the team owe us one on that after the Derby performance a couple of months ago. Uh, I genuinely, genuinely think that. Um, I think we, we believe, Pep, we may have one or two injury issues. Laporte may not play, blah, blah, blah. Who knows? We'll see. Uh, but I genuinely think we should be going all out to, um, uh, have a really, really strong performance. Obviously, there's a potential banana skin there, and they score one goal, and everything changes potentially. But uh, let's hope that doesn't happen because it shouldn't. Yeah, shame they got that consolation. It does change things a bit, of course, doesn't it? But it's, it's, it's in the bag, isn't it? Come on, Paul. It's not in the bag, but it's as close to being in the bag as you can be without being there, if that makes sense. <laughs> 3 0, it was in the bag. 3 1 opens the door a fraction. But we are not, if there's a double negative, we are not not going to score. Therefore, they've got to score three goals because their defence is weak. We will attack them. We'll have opportunities. And I can't believe we're not going to score. We've scored three goals in every League Cup match we played this season. So who's, who'd say we were not going to score three again on Wednesday night and therefore they'd have to score five to go to extra time? No away goals in, the, in this match at all. So I think it's as good as done but you've always got that risk in the back of your mind strong team as well do you think going with a strong team or a bit of rotation we've got big game against Spurs at the weekend coming up uh, I, I think he'll put out his strongest team uh, semi-final against you know the the, 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 the rivals that 
we you know we we lived to to beat. Uh, this is a massive opportunity to to you know um, do what we we know we can do, which is um, put them back where they need to be. And I, I, Aguero didn't play the weekend, so I expect him to be playing up front. Uh, I think he'll uh, make sure that he takes no chances. And this is one that the fans, I think, uh, as Nick was saying, you know, we're, we're due this one. Uh, we've had a couple in the last se- couple two seasons, I think, where we've we've lost at home to United. Uh, having been winning uh, and it's it's not a pleasant experience um, I, I know it's the Carabao Cup and it may not be with us much longer but this is a chance to win it for, if, an, if for you get anything a, to do another, with it. another season in a row and it would be unprecedented so you know there's lots of uh, history books that we can write here uh, as well as beat United along the way Yeah and in the context of our season this is a really big game because frankly we're going to canter to either a second or a third place in the league. Um, pretty much none of the league games are really that important anymore on the basis that we're going to get enough point. You know, we're, what, nine, ten or something points ahead of a uh, fourth. We're not going to be first. Um, we're very close to another Wembley final. And as I say to my kids every single year and every single time we get to Wembley, you never know when you're going to be back. You've got to get night, there. Every night when you tuck him in bed. Exactly. Yeah, you just don't know. Exactly. Let me tell you about 1981, you exactly. said to them. I did. And actually, yeah. actually, it was, what, 10 years ago? Was it 10 years ago that we lost to United in the semi-final of the League Cup? Um, yeah, 2010, wasn't it? Yes, yeah. 2010, we lost 3-1 at and, Old Trafford when and that Rooney was, scored. Yeah, and that, I, that was actually devastating. I remember watching that game. I remember watching the second leg, and that was, you know, that was our first chance of getting to Wembley for 30-odd years, and it was genuinely devastating. It was. Um, uh, yeah, so there was absolutely no reason that we shouldn't be go- going absolutely everything to win this game. Um, and what will the what will the gate be? Full house, all the oh, people sure people house. watching it on telly yeah. and you know, having their Sunday lunch and whatever it was you were saying before. Paul. If it's not a full house, it'll be very close to a full house. It'll be fifty thousand plus. Whether it gets up to the fifty-four thousand mark, and we should ask Pep about it after the game, should we? Well, whatever we should the result, I've got another reason to oh, yes. stop the Carabao Cup as well. Excellent. Another reason to stop it is if it was stopped, we would be the only. English club to ever win the domestic treble because it could never be repeated. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Good awesome. Point. I rest my case. Yeah. <laughs> he was right all the way along. Let's talk about Spurs finally then. Uh, we travel to, what's it called? Is it the Tottenham Hotspur Tottenham Spurs Hotspur Stadium? Stadium. Yeah. 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 Otherwise known as White Hart Lane. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's all part of the same. It's only just been extended. It's an extension. It's not a ground move. They had an extension, didn't they, really? And turned it round. Yeah, exactly. A bit like uh, Cardiff, Arms, Cardiff Arms Park. Same thing. Yeah. Sorry? So I was at Old Graphic Traffic. The square. They, they, well, they, 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 they moved the square. They, they did, did indeed. And do you know why they moved the square? I do. Yeah, I do. That was to stop the evening sunlight hitting the batsmen, so they had to stop play for about half an hour at certain times in the, in the late summer. And it looked really, really odd seeing a bowler for the first time coming in from the pavilion end, which was always at square legs. So mm-hmm. uh, there we are. I know you're a big cricket fan. You've just, you just come back from cricket grounds around the world as well. This, um, this, well I was in Gaul. Gaul in Sri Lanka. Sri Lanka. I didn't see a match, unfortunately. But so I was England in Gaul, play so Sri Lanka next year. No, they so play them in a couple of months. Yeah, all right, so okay, yeah sorry, next, next, next series. And, yeah. and whilst they were playing in South Africa, you went to Sri Lanka. I did, yeah. 
Yeah, it was good. Fairly, it's like bad planning. I wasn't, I, I wasn't going for the cricket, so <laughs> that kind of reduces the bad planning element of it. I went for a holiday. So, any, no, we've done the cricket. Uh, let's, let's get on to... <laughs> we'll, we'll do a cricket show one day. Uh, <clears throat> it's my, that's my first love anyway. Let's talk about Spurs at the weekend then and uh, thoughts and reflections ahead of that then. We'll, we'll have got another Wembley place, we know that, in the soon-to-be-defunct Carabao Cup, but we'll be there yep. Yep. and we'll be... Well, I mean, they're, they're a bit of a chameleon team this season, Spurs. Uh, they've had quite a lot of personnel change. I think Eric, has Eric, Ericsson's gone, I think, or going? Or He's not, yeah, he's not, he's not, not quite playing. gone. He's not, he, not I think he, tra- he travelled today. He wasn't, Kane, wasn't in the squad, not on the bench, but had to travel sort of thing. So uh, uh, Kane's still, still injured. He's out for the season. Um, so they, they, they've got problems. Uh, their form's been uh, very, very up and down, lost games that they should have won. Uh, very inconsistent. So it slightly depends on which Spurs turns up on the day and uh, whether we go for our natural game or whether um, and how Spurs set up and whether they try and soak us up and take us on the break, which they've done before, uh, particularly at um, the Etihad. Uh, and Son, who is one player that I would have loved to have played in a blue shirt, and he's absolutely fantastic to watch. He's a class act. Uh, he, he's the danger. Uh, and if we let him loose with Laporte not at the back, um, he could run, run rings round Otamendi, Stones. Uh, so that would be my, my worry. Uh, but uh, I think we've got enough firepower and quite a lot more confidence. Uh, Bernardo's come back. He's looked a, more like the player that he was last season. Uh, Mares has, has, I wouldn't quite say been revelation, but he's been far more what we would have expected to have seen when we bought him. Uh, and so I think you know, we, should, we should be able to nudge it, but I don't think it's going to be an easy game. And they've got a decent manager now as well, haven't they, of course, Spurs? Have they? Who is it? I don't know who it is. I've lost track of their managers. <laughs> um, I don't care about their manager. We are good enough to beat them. We've won 10 out of our last 12 games. And um, no reason that we shouldn't beat Spurs because they're not a great team at the moment. They're struggling. They're inconsistent, uh, as has been said. So I, I think we've got a good record at, against Tottenham. And they, they don't worry me. Yeah, I mean, credit to Spurs because they've managed to turn a situation where they were potentially on the edge of the greatest period in their history with a fantastic manager, a Champions League final, a great team playing some wonderful football and they've managed to absolutely decimate themselves in the period of a few months um, in, uh, you know, in a glorious, gloriously tragic uh, manner. They've, met, they've ended up with a uh, probably a disastrous manager um, who's going to lead them nowhere. Um, a group of senior players who seem pretty disaffected and have been generally underperforming for most of the season. Their best player is now injured for the rest of the season. And they've, they've had a terrible year and they've got very little to play for. Um, I mean... <laughs> They might... Uh, actually, they've probably got more to play for than we have because they'll be chasing a Champions League place. Um, you know, we played them in the first couple of weeks of the season. We absolutely thrashed them and managed to come away with a point. Uh, if, if anything, we'll probably be a bit knackered after the, after the midweek game if that turns out to be a pretty tough one, but it might not. Um, we're good enough to beat them. If they are very good on the day, they're good enough to beat us, but they haven't shown great signs of that recently. Um, and uh, it's probably, and let's hope not, uh, but I suspect it will be one of the less classic uh, games between our two teams. 
And if things don't work out business-wise for you, Nick, you've always got a job in the Spurs PR department, <laughs> I would suggest, after that. Yeah, well, as I say, I, I, I'm quite... Uh, they should be proud. I mean, they've done, they've done as good a job as we could have done uh, in uh, knackering themselves in various ways. Well, we're knackered here as well, and it's been a great joy and a pleasure to have my three guests. Thank you to Nick Goldstone, to Paul Denby, and to Edward Timpson. This is Nigel Rothman saying thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you all very soon. This is a Playback Media production. To listen to all our football podcasts, visit playbackmedia.co.uk. If you want an e-bike that doesn't look like it's made for the shopping precinct, something that's less Mr Bean and more Steve McQueen, check out the range of bikes from London-based Cooler King. From dope 250-watt city bikes to Harley Bobber-inspired 750-watt beasts that can tear your face off while leaving your smile intact. Cooler Kings are made in limited numbers, yet highly affordable. Check them out now on the web at cooler.bike or find them on Instagram with hashtag CoolerKingBike. Cooler.bike e-bikes that are cool AF Sports Social Podcast Network It is Ryan here and I have a question for you What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.